following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Uh, I was going to do a fancy intro then. Just for the record, we, we've just been playing with microphones for a minute. And with me and Mike being the most amazing technical people we are, how do we fix it, Mike? Unplug the, plug the back in. Yay! We're good at our jobs, honestly, we are. <laughs> how the devil are you, Mike? I'm not bad, mate. How about you? I'm not too bad. Tired, but not bad. Not bad. I've just booked a cinema ticket, so boot for cinema tickets. Oh, what are you going to see? I'm going to see All Eyes on Me, because it looks very interesting. Oh, that's the um, the one about Chewbacca, isn't it? It is indeed. It is indeed. Because did you see Straight Out of Compton? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you need to see it. Ooh, you, in fact, you should come around for a movie movie evening, and we'll watch it on Blu-ray because it's a really good film. Yeah, sounds good. So, yes, with the introductions out of the way, my name is Christopher Windsor. He is Mike Larkin. I'm aware that I just said the introduction out of the way and then it did the introduction, but, you know, fuck off. And welcome to Sunday Afternoon Cinema, which tonight is being recorded on Wednesday. We should really do one of these things on a Sunday at some point. It would make sense, wouldn't it? Given the name and all that. I yeah. mean, to be fair, when I started doing this, I was recording on a Sunday afternoon. And we have recorded a few on a Sunday. I think the main idea of me doing it on a Sunday was because I didn't have much of a life. So it was like a way to kill half an hour, effectively. And then you came on, and then we started going on for much longer than half an hour. (laughs) So, this evening, we are diving into the second of the Viewer Skew films, Morats, by Mr. Kevin Smith. Um, I've got something prepared to talk about it, like a premise of it and some thoughts. So what I'll do is I'll just talk about the premise first, and then Mike, if you want to go ahead and say what you think about this, and then yeah. I shall say what I think about it. Sure. Okay, so basically, More Rats is the second story in the Viewer's Skew universe, but chronologically, it's the first one, if you want to be technical about it, because technically in the timeline, it happens one day prior to Clerks. Not that it really matters that much, I don't think, because the storylines don't really cross over. So I've never understood why it's it's important, but for some reason it seems to be important in some way, shape, or form. But anyway, the film follows the day of T.S. Quint, Quint, rather, who we never find out the first name of, and Brody, two 20-somethings who are dumped simultaneously by their respective girlfriends. The two decide, although for an awful lot of coaxing on Brody's part, that they should take refuge in the local Marl to try and move on. And as Brody, as Brody says, he loves them all, you know, how it makes him feel and the bounty it has to offer effectively. You know, we don't have that in this country, but there we are. We then follow the two meeting up with multiple actors who would go on to see playing other roles in Swiss films as they go about their daily business. And in the mall, Quint and Brody must boot, must boot, ah, I can't talk. Meet both of their girlfriends, who they try to woo back in more and to varying degrees of success. So it's a very short premise, but to be honest with you, that's kind of my feelings of this film overall. But we'll we'll get onto that in a moment. So, what do you think then, Mike? Let's let's go with this. Um, I've always had a, had a bit of a shot spot for for more acts, um, because I think it's it's probably the, the simplest of the uh, viewers universe movies. Um, it's just, it's simply a comedy, for comedy you see, that's all it is, and that's all it needs to be, um, doesn't try and be anything above its station, it's not trying to be smart or clever in any kind of way, so, 
Yeah, it's just a fun little movie. And, of course, it introduces us to the fantastic Jason Lee. Yes. Yes. Well, um, what do you think is... Actually, while we're talking about Jason Lee, what do you think his best role is? His best film role? Uh, well, in, in the in the Viewer Skew universe, what do you think his best role was? Because, obviously, I mean, you know, obviously in the film, and we'll come on to the characters in a bit, you know, we'll talk, come on to talk about the characters. We get to see James, Tyler, and Bob, obviously. But I think Jason Lee is possibly one of my favourite actors in Smith's films, simply because he's got such diversity. So what do you think his best role was, in your opinion? Azrael. Yes. I was going to say the exact same thing. He, he was uh, all all day man. long, man. All day long. It's Azrael. Azrael is kick-ass. And we, we will certainly get onto Dogma, but I absolutely agree. I mean, I've never watched um, My Name is Earl, and he was he was alright in Clerks 2. He didn't have that much of a role aside from being a pickle fucker. But, <laughs> you know, he didn't really have an awful lot to do, and I can't remember him doing much else in other films. Um, was he in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Um, I'm just going to have a look now. I can't remember... Remember a minute, but saying that, it's been that kind of day. So, yes, he was. He was in as both Brody and Banky. Oh, wait, was he actually? Oh, of course he was, because he ran the comic book. Yes. Yes. He ran the comic book store, and he went, yes, that's brilliant. Oh, I can't. You see, now I, don't, now I want to talk about that film as well. You see, the thing is, I think this is what's so good about Kevin Smith's films is that you'll start talking about one aspect of the film and then you'll suddenly think, God damn, I want to talk about the rest of it. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, the great, the great thing about his films is that even though he reuses the same actors in different roles, mm. and sometimes in multiple roles, you're never really conscious of it. You accept them as that character at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... Brody and Bruce, you couldn't get two different characters, really. <laughs> and as I've just said, he plays both in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. But you just, you accept it. And he's not the devil, but he might as well be in, in Dogma. And he, and he plays it wonderfully. Oh, I couldn't think of a, of a better, better hell demon. <laughs> Him, I, you know, and, and God bless his soul, um... Stop reversing, you bastard. Sorry, there was someone reversing that side of that. Um, I, you know, and, and you know, um, uh, blah, 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 guy who was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and was in Dogma, help me out here, like, um, I was in, um, he was in Harry Potter as well, don't worry, we'll cut all this. I've not seen it, any of the Harry Potter films, really. No, that's not such a bad thing. Although, actually, the first one was okay. What was his name? He died like a few years ago. He was in Dogma. Um, from Dogma? Oh, yeah. um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, thank you very much, yes. Um, I can imagine that him as, you know, as, as, the, as the good angel, as it were, and Asriel and Jason Lee could really do well and play off well together, but they never really share much screen time. Which is a shame. It's a shame. I I'd like to have seen more of the of the good Cardinal Glick in that movie, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, with with his uh, Catholicism, wow. Indeed, indeed. 
But yes, that's um, but that's for another time. So what 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 else have you got to say about Morats before I go on to my thoughts and then you can see what I think. Well, oh, as I say, it's um, it's a, it's a fairly simple movie, but it's 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 fun. I I've always enjoyed it. Um, just because of the the callbacks to clicks, which is not a callback really, because it's a call forward essentially, being that this is set as you say a day before clicks. Um, the fact that he's filmed it afterwards, and it still works as being a kind of prequel. Um speaks volumes for I think for Kevin Smith's talent as both a writer and director. Yeah. Um that he's able to do that with just such ease. Yeah. I mean for me, th- this is a good film. Don't get me wrong. The, you know, there are funny lines. There there are things that make me smile and there are maybe there are things that made me think, what the hell is going on? But there was nothing wrong with it nonetheless. And I did like the um, interplay of Jeremy London um, playing Quint and Jason Lee, who played Brody. It's wonderful. The only problem I have, and you know, this is the problem I've got with Jeremy London a little bit in general, is he seems to be a bit wooden. He doesn't seem to have an awful lot going on for him, and it's perfectly passable. Don't get me wrong, but. Jason Lee is the star is the star of this film. There's just no way of getting around that. Absolutely. He, he's brilliant, and I think Kevin Smith must have known that from the very beginning. And I think as he's grown on us, we've discovered how good of an actor he actually is. Whereas Jeremy London, we never saw again. Why Kevin Smith particularly chose to um, get him involved, I, I don't really understand. Uh, maybe studio, who knows? Potentially. Um... Because I know the studio wanted to actually replace um, Jason Mewes. Oh, with Seth Green. Which would have yeah. been a mistake. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like, I like Seth Green, but no, I, I couldn't see Seth Green being in this role. But I mean, uh, but that being said, um, I mean, maybe that was the point of having Jeremy London in this role. Maybe he, maybe they did want a straight man for him. You know, maybe, J- Jason I, I, Lee's so wacky and off the wall. Maybe they needed someone to almost bring the Brody character back down to earth. Yeah, somebody who's a bit, a bit more mundane. I, yeah, I mean, the thing is though, and the problem that I thought with this film was it was a little bit wishy-washy and it didn't know where it was going. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think it's probably the only movie in the in the Yusuke universe without a real plot. I think there was definitely a plot that the problem is I'm just not sure it came off very well. I mean, what was good about Clerks, which some could say did move around an awful lot, was that I don't think it ever lost its core and roots of what it wanted to be and what it was trying to do. It, it almost feels with this, is it's like that Kevin Smith had 40 minutes of material, needed to stretch it out, and stretch it out as much as it needed to, as much as he could. The arc of the basic film was funny, it was heartfelt, and it was in the right place. The problem was, I'm not sure what that place was, and that's a shame. It wasn't bad, it just wasn't very good, in in, in my humble opinion. I Had this been, you know, 90 minutes, or a 60-minute 60, 60 TV film, I would have been perfectly happy with that. If they'd primarily stuck to the characters of Quint and Brody. I would have been fine with that. I just, I almost got annoyed by the um, Jane Silent Bob parts. 
Oh no, I love the Jane Sound Bob Fly Fathouse Fly. Yeah. And the blueprints. Just, the blueprints were genius. I don't know, it just felt like No, I'm sorry, I just couldn't get on board with that. It just felt it just felt too forced. You know, and that's uh, not to say that Kevin Smith was forcing his way into this film, not by any stretch of imagination. It just, I just can't but feel that if they weren't there, it wouldn't have mattered. We yeah. have still told well, the sure. same story of basically two teenagers who fall out of love and are desperately trying to get their girlfriends back. That's really the story of it. And I don't, and I'm, I know it might sound a bit harsh to say this, but I don't think Jay and Silent Bob bring anything to this movie. I don't care um, about them. And I like Jay and Silent Bob's characters, don't get me wrong. But in this film, I didn't give a shit about them. As, as I said, I think that they're basically for the comic relief, away from the comic relief of obviously Jason Lee. Mm. Um, I think that they're to make Jason Lee's character look a bit more serious. Possibly. Um, yeah. And they are, they are literally the comic relief for the comic relief. <laughs> um... That, that's simply all they are, I think. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have comic relief, then, yeah, who better than Jane and Bob? They are, they are the masters of mayhem. Yeah, yeah. I go along, no, I'll go along with that, to be fair. I'll go along with that. Um, I mean, the thing is, I think it'd be wrong... I mean, I could be completely wrong here, and Kevin Smith could very, very much contradict me on this one, but I think it'd be wrong to, to say that... Smith knew how big Clerks were going to be. That he knew what he had when he had it. He may have had an idea. He, he may have thought it was going to be fantastic. But I don't think he realised at the time what a cultural impact in film this would be. Um, you know, I when you know, not to go back to Clerks too much, because we spoke about this an awful lot last time we talked we talked about the, the films. Can you remember Clerks coming out? Um I can remember reading the reviews of it, but I can't... I mean, I didn't see it until it came out on uh, on video, on VHS. Because I remember seeing um, on the um, on the behind-the-scenes footage, you know, people were going nuts for this film. But it was, seemed to be a very small niche market. You know, I, I don't remember this being a massive film, as it were. You know, it I... certainly didn't get the audience that... That is what the films did, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, this is this is one of those few movies that I think lost money. Or, um, this or Jersey Girl? I, I think Jersey Girl probably broke even because it, it found its market in, in the video rental. Which, which I actually like. I actually like Jersey Girl. I think that was a good film. And I know it's not technically part of the viewers' cube universe, but I still think we should do it at some point. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm not convinced that Clerks... Uh, sorry, Smith, rather knew what he had when he made Clerks. And, and I'm going to come on to the reason why I mention that in a minute. I've heard this, and you'll have heard this phrase a million times as well, yourself, I'm sure, of the difficult third album. You know, yeah. when they say that, that a band can make two great albums, but the third one's the hardest they've got to make because they've got so much of an expectation to live up to. And... I'm not entirely sure about this phrase, but then again, I'm not an artist, right? Thing is, then again, the answer to that is the Beatles. Well, the were... Beatles didn't have a difficult third album. Everything they made was great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to bring up two very different bands, but I bring them up for a good. I bring them up for a reason. 
I don't remember the impact of Morning Glory when it came out after Definitely Maybe. Um, I've grown up a fan of Oasis, but I certainly don't remember how well Oasis were doing back in the 1990s. I mean, I actually, I actually heard Morning Glory before I heard Definitely Maybe. I think a lot of people did. If I, from what I've heard and from what I've read in the past, Definitely Maybe seemed to be more of a of like an underground hit, wasn't it? And Morning Glory was more of a breakthrough album. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, in the case of I mean, in the case of Oasis, being here now, frankly, was the difficult first album, and honestly, it's probably one of the worst albums I've ever made. Um, although my opinion fluctuates on that, but I mean, the, there were a couple of couple of good tracks, aren't they? It wasn't. But, I suppose it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't as good as what we'd expected to be. But the other album but, I was going to bring. Then again, we come back to the problem of the, of Oasis being basically a Beatles cover band. This is very true. Um, but the other album I was going to bring into this, and the other band, in terms of not the difficult third album, but the difficult second album, which is relevant to Clerks and um, Mole Rats, which I'll come back to in a minute, is Slipknot. Yeah. The first time I heard Slipknot, I thought, wow, I love this album. This is amazing. When are we going to get more of this? And then Iowa came out, and it was completely different. And it was like, no, this isn't the sound I like. This is terrible. I really hated Iowa for a long time. But then, as I've matured, and as I've actually listened to it, I've realised, actually, this is a damn good album. And Iowa actually shows that Corey Taylor and stuff that have got an awful lot going on, they know what they're doing. So... I mean, little, little side fact here about Corey Taylor. He's actually got one of the widest vocal ranges in the world. Oh, Five he's... and a half octaves. His stuff, the, and not to go on about Slipknot or Corey Taylor, but um, when I first heard him playing with Stone Sour, I was completely blown away. Yeah, I think I think everyone was when they first heard I mean, the first song that was released was Bother. Oh, God, yeah. I refused, to believe, soundtrack. Co- I refused to believe that was Corey Taylor at first. Well, I mean, it was... And a little story about Corey Taylor is um, obviously he's from Iowa. Yeah. Um, and back when back when Slipknot first came out, there was a guy going around Iowa saying, "You know, I'm Corey Taylor," um, and getting like free drinks and all that. It wasn't. Great. It wasn't. Um... And Sorry. happened to go into a bar one day where Corey Taylor was. <laughs> um. And obviously nobody had seen him under the mask by this point. But um but he called him out on it and said, No, no, you're not Corey Taylor. I know for a fact you're not. And he said, Well, how do you know? He said, Because 'Cause I'm fucking Corey Taylor. It wasn't Anders Colsephony, was it, by any chance, trying to get some fame after being kicked out of Slipknot? Oh, probably. <laughs> But anyway, yes, the point of this and where we were going to begin with was, um, I don't know the timeline for the writing of this film. As we said before, it's set the day before the events of Clerks, but I cannot see anything that says that this was written before Clerks. Um, you know, there's, either, there's one of two things going on here. Either it was written before Clerks and Smith felt it was weak, or studios felt it was weak, and so on the strength of Clerks, he was actually able to release it and make something out of it. Or after Clerks was written, he and he'd succeeded. He wrote this and got a deal 
from Mulrats on the strength of Clerks. I'm not sure how it worked, but I could believe both. I mean, I don't know. What What do you think? Do you think that Mulrats was made on the strength of Clerks, or do you think he had this one in the, in the background somewhere? Oh, I think this. I think this was made on the strength of Clerks. Um, definitely. But this goes back to the whole second, the difficult second album that you know. Um, that that's the reason why I brought it up to begin with. Do you? F- how difficult do you think it was for Smith to get this film out there? You know, he he possibly had so much expectations riding on him, and you know, Mulra- Clerks rather was only released what, in nineteen ninety four, and he followed this up very very quickly in nineteen ninety five. What do you think the turnaround on that was? I mean, this is why I wonder if he had it already in the bag. And I, mean, I thought, I want to get this out now. I, I don't know. If he might well have. Um, you know, I, I don't know how quickly Kevin Smith writes, to be to be quite honest. Um, but, I mean, obviously the reason I think he, made, he would have made um, Clerks first was that was, of all of his films, that's the one that could be made for the least. Yeah, and and it's, um, just, and it's probably his baby. Let's be honest with you. It's probably you know it 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 is his creation. It's probably the one that he spent all of those years um, working in that very much co- in that very convenience store. Um, you know, coming up with yeah, um, you know, at the time. So uh, I, I imagine he probably had that written for a long time. To be fair. He probably did, and he, he probably had it, you know, had all the characters and all had everything in mind to go uh, pretty much as soon as he finished f- finished rolling on on clerks, and obviously got the backing. So, obviously, you've said that you you do like this, and I completely respect that. But what do you think about me thinking that I'm not sure that this is quite as good as Clerks as a film and that I felt it a bit wooden, a bit weak and a bit all over the place? I, I mean, what, what's your take on to that? To be honest, it's, it was never going to be as good as Clerks, let's face it. It had a lot to live up to, didn't it? It did. It did have a lot to live up to. It was the kind of... And the yet, weak younger brother. And yet, at the same time, if you think about it, it really didn't. It really didn't have an awful lot to live up to because there wasn't an awful going on in Clerks in the beginning. As good as Clerks was, let's face it, the you know it, it almost had any direction it wanted to go without any real problems. Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to say really because obviously neither of us are Kevin Smith. We don't know what he was thinking at the time. Mm. Uh, and, and or, the problem is that Kevin Smith has turned talking shit into a career, so you never really know what to believe him from anyway. Exactly, and, you know, you'd have you believe in fucking Ben Affleck as Batman was his idea if he had the chance. <laughs> it is. So, have we got anything more to say initially, or should we talk about the four main characters? Oh, let's let's talk about the characters because I think we'll get get a bit out of the characters. Oh, definitely, and there's there's more things that I want to talk about as well. And you you know what we're like. We we will still be doing this in two hours' time because we always do. Okay, <laughs> so let's start with T. S. Quint. Um, again, a funny name. Uh, who's played by Jeremy London? Now, do you know of Jeremy London? Do you, do you know anything about him before or after you've seen this film? I know he's in the upcoming TV series More Brats. Isn't that been as T.S. Quint, but other than that, 
I'd never heard of the guy. I've, I don't think I've heard of him since. I've, I'm just going to look at his uh, filmography mm. on IMDb. Um, and more, he was in Party of Five, which That's is... That's exactly what I was going to mention. Is I believe that was one of your favourite TV shows back in the day. <laughs> it was. I had not seen Morats in a very long time. And when I saw Jeremy London's name come on the front, it's like... Good God, what's he doing in this? I mean, I've, I'm looking through his filmography now and there are a couple of things that I've heard of I mean, but never he, seen. But he doesn't seem to have ever stopped working. You know, I'm, so I mean, he's good at what he does. He's, he's, or he's available. Indeed, he might just be a little bit easy, to be fair. I mean, he wasn't bad um, in Party of Five, from what I remember. Uh, you know, he, he was he was the bad boy boyfriend of Julie with a heart of gold. Um, and he, he wasn't terrible in it. But again, he did come across quite intense in that as well, in a very in a very strange way. He, he was almost a very similar character. So I just wonder if that's all that he can play. Maybe it is. I mean, I've not seen... Literally, I've seen none of his other work, including Party of Five. I wasn't, I was, wasn't a fan. Um, How could you not like Party of Five? I mean, it, it came out when. Uh, let's have a look. I think around the early nineties, like yeah. Uh, do, do, do. Oh, more acts was ninety five. It was after that, ninety five to two thousand. So I mean, I was. First of all, in school, <laughs> in ninety five. Well, in college. Yeah. And after that, I was working, so I, n- I never really had time. I just remember being on Channel Four, like this was before the days of The Simpsons. Um, I seem to remember it was on Channel Four on like Thursdays or something. Um, at six o'clock, I, I always used to remember watching. It's always like the. It sounds really sad, but I always like the opening theme tune to it. I always thought it was a good song. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I, I did like him in this, don't get me wrong. And he, he is a good actor. And he had wonderful lines and he delivered them the conviction. And I can understand why in the real world um, Quince and Brandy would probably date. Um, uh, you know, they seem to have decent, they decent... They seem to have decent connections. Yeah. Or were you not a fan of her? You sounded like that was a bit Wayne there. I'm not sure why why they would have got together. To be honest, um, yeah. I, they're not a couple. I'd have put, I'd have put personally. I'd have put um, Jason Lee with her. Oh, think... I Jason Lee was with it. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting my, I'm getting more women mixed up. <laughs> um, Jason Lee was with Shannon Doherty in this movie. Um, yes. But I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have put I'd have put Jason Lee with with. Quinces. She seemed a bit Personally. too. Much, she seemed a bit too much of a good girl to be with Brody. Oh, I don't know. I think I think she's gonna have those wild college days ahead of her. <laughs> she she did come across at the very beginning, like the um. Uh, I'm just trying to put this. I'm just trying to think the way to best put this without coming off as insulting. But the girl who is clearly attractive and clearly very pretty, 
but it's downplayed because that's what the role calls for in a way. Um, rather like, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Um, I don't, I'm actually going to say, I'm going to come on to this in a minute, but um, Rachel Lee Cook in... Um, uh, Everything. Yes, you know, she, she, she's, Rachel Lee Cook is hot. There's no getting away from that. But in almost every film she's in, she's very much downtrodden. Yeah, she's like, the geeky girl. Yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, yeah, it was uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, wasn't it? Um, no, she wasn't in that, I don't think. No? Uh, she was in Not Another Teen Movie. So I think. 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, Julia Styles, that was it. Julia Styles. Julia Styles, why, yeah. I don't know why I thought Rachel Lee was in that. So, she was in watch. She's All That. She's All That, was it? Yeah, it was basically a very similar film, wasn't it? Like, oh, Never Been Kissed, sort of. The, the, those films that, like I say, are very much a, a downplaying on how attractive a girl is and all, just, just because that's what teen comedy seem to call for really isn't yeah it? just take your glasses off and put her hair down and she'll be stunning and to be fair because she that's was how, because that's how life works isn't it <laughs> and i mean do you think that quint was especially attractive do you i mean i i, I know you're not that way inclined but did, did you yeah. did you see the good side of him as it were I, I could see he's a nice guy you know i can see you know good points and bad points i think he's Speaking as a man, he's he's kind of a bit too cute, if you will. Sort of like how we all hated Leonardo DiCaprio back in the Titanic days, not because he was a bad actor, God, but yeah. because he looked like him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you just every time I saw Di, DiCaprio back then, I just wanted to fucking kick him in the face. <laughs> I, I just imagine it's quite you know when when Leonardo wakes up in the morning and thinks, "I'm Leonardo DiCaprio." Yeah. Today's a good day. Yeah, I mean, come on, you wake up looking like that, you're going to go, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, of course. So, do we have anything more to say about Quint? Because I really don't. Because... I don't. He, he really is. The, he's, the, he's the ready salted crisps to and his yeah, films, kind of Pringles. He was meant to be the lead character in this, really, wasn't he? He, he was the lead character, but I didn't buy him at all. No, same. I, I, I think Brody was far more the lead character. Um, so, yeah, so next we've got um, Brandy, who for some reason I've got a name as Brandis in my notes. Brandy Spring. That's it. The aforementioned girlfriend of Quince, played by uh, Claire Forlena. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Forlani. Forlani, thank you very much. Um, uh, I've got lost some of that here. I've got oh, to admit, yeah. she is a secret guilty crush of mine. I'm not surprised. Um, again, well, not guilty, in fact. I'm <laughs> again, not, she's not done an awful lot of work, it. and I've not seen her in, in an awful lot, you know. She's been in loads. She has, she's done a lot, yeah. She was in a... I think she was in Meet Joe Black. Oh, really? She was, yeah. Uh, she was in Green Street. Oh, God. The Hobbit football movie. The, the, the Rock. She played Sean Connery's daughter in The Rock. <laughs> and I mean, she is she is stunning. She, she is stunningly beautiful. As I say, she reminds me of Rachel Lee Cook. Um, she reminds you know, she me. Reminds of, me of actually is Minnie Driver. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's the jawline. They've both got very distinctive jawlines. But yes, stunningly attractive woman. And I would, honestly. That's all I'm saying. Calm down. Put it away. Um, And she also reminds me of Alexis Bedell in the typical girl next doorway. And I think the fact that she does fit this so well is the fact why um, Smith chose her to begin with. And I think she was a perfectly passable actor, um, or actress, however you say it these days. I, I, I really enjoyed her in this. I thought she had the right amount of attitude in the film, um, and I thought she carried herself very well. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, she 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 wasn't quite maybe as good as Joey Lauren Adams, who was, well very strange in this film and indeed um, was it Renee Renee Humphrey that's actually gone on to do other things with him who uh, Renee Humphrey didn't she do more with Smith uh, I'm just going to look now I'm sure, sure she yeah. was in sure. um, yes yeah, she was in Jane Silence Bob Strike Back but who did she play yeah she played Trisha the same Trish the Dish that's not who I'm thinking of then. Who was it? Who was in Chasing Amy? She was the girlfriend in Chasing Amy. I'm sure. Joey Laura Adams. Yes, yeah, she she was in um, Chasing Amy, wasn't she? She was. She was. She was in. She was in Morat as well. I got myself really confused there. It's it's again because because he reuses the same actors. You kind of it is easy to confuse characters. I think. Yeah. No, she played Gwen in in Morats. Yes. Yeah. And to be f- and yeah, to be fair, she was perfectly good. Um. So yeah. Uh, where are we up to? Where are we up to? So Brandis, the girlfriend. Yes. What did you think of her character overall? Did you find her annoying? Did you did you find her funny? Did you did you find she was necessary? What did you think about the very end of it all? You know, spoilers. I, you know, I really about... I really liked her character. Um, and I can see why she's why she did what she you know what she's done throughout the movie, wanting to help her dad. Um, that's that's not a bad thing. Her dad um, who effectively pimped her out. Yeah, I mean, for for TV ratings, <laughs> if, that you was know, such if... a shit show, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. What was the name of it? Truthful Date or something? Um, I can't remember, but it, it was basically blind, a, a really shit version of Blind Date. Well, let's face it, with our silver black, it's nothing. Oh. Don't even start on that woman. <laughs> uh, but she's a national treasure, Mike. She's a national God, no. treasure. Not in my nation. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to love her in Liverpool. Uh, are we, 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 we going to get hate mail now for dissing Silla Black? Quite possibly. Well, um, you know what? I, I was never a fan of her anyway, so send me hate mail as well. I don't care. I'm sorry. I live in Liverpool. I'm not a massive fan of Silla Black. Personally, I say I say fuck Silla Black. Um, and you're a true scouser, so you know you can defend me. I, exactly. I was disgusted that we even bothered putting up a fucking statue of the woman when she died. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, you know everyone goes, oh, she was a scouser. But when she came back on telly on Blind Date and all that back in the eighties, she actually had to have lessons to get her scouse accent back because she'd spent so long taking elocution lessons to get rid of it. <laughs> 
kind of sad. That's really exactly. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll go back to the um we'll go back to the 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 game show in a bit because that is actually a really wonderful scene at the very end of it. it in fact, it's one of the funniest moments in the entire film. Um, let's not go on to Brody because I think we're saying an awful lot about him. Let's talk about Renee for a minute because honestly, I don't have an awful lot to say um about um about his girlfriend. To be honest with you, Shannon Doherty. What did you think of her overall? What did you think? What did you think of her as a, as a girlfriend? As a girlfriend, she sucks. That's pretty sick. She's <laughs> she's a terrible girlfriend. <laughs> but, what, did you, what did you dislike about her? Um, she she's obviously going to be that girl who cheats. You like that going, dude? She's going to screw around on you. Fucking don't even go there. But at the same time, she's hot, which well, I think is always going to get. Is, it's always going to get an attraction. A little side story here, by the way. Um, Shannon Doherty's deal in the film was that she got to, she got to keep every outfit she wore. Yeah, I read that myself. Earlier. Which is which is why she's always wearing something different. Which I mean, kind of, he looks back at her and go, "What a bitch!" She cost Kevin Smith a fortune. <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't dislike her, but. Yeah. I get the feeling that really Brody probably wouldn't have cared that much and neither would she. They'd be like, you know what, oh well, we're broken up. Shit happens. Yeah. We'll move on to someone else. I, I don't really have anything to say about her. Um, you know, I said before that I found the Quint character to be incredibly wooden, and but at least at least he kept me engaged. And the problem is I'm just not that boss like, about it. I don't really have an awful lot to say. You're just not just, that into her. I, I'm I am not just I'm just not that into her, sadly, no. <laughs> and, I mean I think I think she was basically there to make up the numbers. And um, I think this was this was probably her payday movie. And I've not seen her in that much else. Apparently she was in Naked Gun thirty three and a third, um, in an uncredited role. I don't remember in that. It's almost, been that long since I've seen it, I couldn't say. I'm almost tempted to go back and watch it just to see what she did. I mean, apart from the fact that Naked Gun 33 and I've heard it was a great film anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm almost tempted to watch it just to see what she was, what she did in it. And indeed, Airwolf. Well, I mean, you can fast forward the entire movie if she's only in the end credit roll. Yeah, but Leslie Nielsen, man. You can't not watch Leslie Nielsen. He's a genius. True, true. Cigarettes? Yes, I know. <laughs> Oh, oh come on! The best line from that entire series has got to be from the first one. Um, nice beaver. I know I just had it stuff last week. <laughs> oh, we need to rewatch those films and do them all in one take. <laughs> Let, let's let's just do them. In fact, that was an idea. I, I was I came up with another idea of something I wanted to do with you actually this year. There's another film coming up. I was tempted to say, should we do the whole thing about? I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it was sore because that would take far too long. Oh god! And I, I think I stopped watching after like the third one. I think most people did. To be fair, I think I'm the only one who carried on watching the rest of them. To be honest with you. Um, did you see the? Uh, was it the seventh one? Was in three D? I did. I didn't watch it in three D, but I saw it. But that's only because I downloaded a dodgy copy of it. And I don't have a three D monitor. <laughs> no, there was something else coming out later this year that. Um, I'll try and find it on IMDb, 
because I really think that we should go, we should, we should review the series of films. Um, okay, so do we have anything more to say about Renee? Because honestly, I've got nothing. She's, I mean, no, she's bland. Yep. To be to be quite honest, yep. I think apart from Jason Lee, uh, uh, Brody, who we've touched on a few, quite a few times, yep. the only really, the only really standout character in this for me is Mister Svenning. Uh, the dad, yeah. The dad, Michael Rooker, um, who view, who listeners will know from his role in The Walking Dead, most likely. I've never seen The Walking Dead. I'm just going on his MDB just to see what he's been in. He's been in loads, mate. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Was he in that? Mind yeah, he, played, he was Henry. Since, mind you, it's been a long time since I've seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Killer um, yeah. Never watched Burn Notice that much, but I did try to get into it at one stage. Um, but there's got to be something else I've seen him in. I was I saw Tremors, but then I realised it was the TV movie. <laughs> oh, that was it! I've just remembered. Go on. We have to review the Sharknado films because the fifth one's coming out this year. I've never seen them, so. What? And you call no. yourself a film critic? I don't call myself a very good or professional film critic, in fairness. <laughs> Right, we have to do something about that. So, yeah, actually, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was his first film. Bloody hell. What yeah. A film, what a film to start on. I mean, yeah, so I'll start at the top, like. I mean, it wasn't an especially brilliant film. I think I've still got it in my DVD shelf it's, somewhere. It's a cool classic, though. It is. And, I mean, it, it's been credited as, you know, one of the turning points for an awful lot of serial killer films, to be fair. Um, I don't really know much about it. I mean, how much of it was based on a true story? Um, apparently so. Um, Henry, what's his name? Henry Winkler. No, that's the Fonz. Oh yeah. Henry, the Fonz wasn't a serial killer. <laughs> Unless you count all the STDs he spread, well, and the amount of sharks he killed. He should be in Sharknado, riding over the sharks on his motorbike. How have they not done that yet? Uh... Seriously, how have they not done that yet? But anyway, we're not I here to watch. But anyway, um, so yeah, um, what did you like about the dad then? Tell me what you liked about the dad. It's not so much about that I like about him because he's, he's not a very nice character. He's a bit of an arsehole. He's he's a complete bastard who, as you say, hot comes his daughter out for TV ratings. Um, he, he's quite irredeemable in some ways, but it's the chocolate pretzels. And <laughs> uh, every time I see Jason Lee's face on in that scene, I just giggle like a schoolgirl. I know, I know, I can understand what you mean. I mean, when I first saw him on screen, he actually reminded me an awful lot of the, um, not just because he's bald, but the principal from Back to the Future. Yeah, Mr. Strickland. Yeah. Just the uh, the no nonsense, uh, don't fuck around attitude. Effectively, yes. But I think he was, um, he was, a, he was a lot more. He he was a bit more humorous. He was a bit more humorous than Strickland yeah. was. Um, to to his credit, um, I mean Strickland was was B 
basically just did the bastard of all bastards, headmasters, I think. <laughs> he was, very much so. <laughs> um, what did you think? Because I'm not a massive comic book um, guy, as I've said on more than numerous occasions. What did you think of Stan Lee's appearance in this? Stanley is clearly not an actor. And if you watch if you watch his performance, he's actually looking to the left and right all the time. It's because he's not a performer. Someone was holding up like cue cards for him to read his lines off. because <laughs> um, he, he's not he's not a trained actor. But at the same time, I thought it was it was a fun little um little cameo. Because he likes being in all of his own films. He likes having cameos in every scene, every film he's involved in, doesn't he? All the Marvel films, anyway. He's actually got got a cameo in um, in, one, in Kevin Smith's latest film, um, what's it, Yoga Hoses. Oh, right. Okay. Um, playing a cop. I mean, it's it's kind of similar in a vein to Alfred Hitchcock always wanted to be in his films. The difference was that Alfred Hitchcock knew what he was, knew what he was doing. <laughs> and, I... and, and you know, whatever you know, take what I say about these films with a pinch of salt. I think Alfred Hitchcock was a far better a filmmaker, and he always will be. But then again, is Stanley? He's not Stanley, really a filmmaker. Stanley's though, not a filmmaker though. No, he's, he's a comic not. book guy. They just use so... ideas, don't they? Yeah. So I guess it's a bit unfair to say that. Little fun fact about Stan Lee. You'll have noticed, obviously, it, all the character names are quite alliterative, like Bruce Banner and Peter Parker, all the rest of it. Oh, they all match up and stuff, yeah. And it's basically because he, f- he found it easier to remember the names if they were alliterative. <laughs> and that's the, that's the only reason. No, I suppose, I, I suppose that makes a sort of sense to me. What I'd really like to ask Stan Lee is about the bat signal, to be fair. And how that works. Not to get too off topic, right, and there's another show I'm going to slate for this as well. The bat signal works on the premise that Batman is looking up in the sky in the right direction all the time. Right. What if the cop or whatever it was that turned it on, turned it on, and Batman was in the shitter? Or what if he was indoors? Or if he was in any other place, except where you could see the bat signal. See, this is why I'd make a really bad superhero. Because like I'd see the, the bat signal or whatever signal it was, and go fucking hell, man! I just sat down. <laughs> it's it's like, and you know what it reminds me of? It's do you remember the X Files? Yeah. Do you know when he wanted to meet up um, with uh, with Deep Throat? Uh, <laughs> he used to put um, masking tape on his window with a green light behind it to indicate that he wanted to talk. Yeah. Again, what if he wasn't looking in his window? It just makes no logical sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very specific thing, especially considering back then, they, they had mobile phones, they had pages. <laughs> there are ways of getting in contact. Leave yeah, a but, message at the front desk. Yeah, but it was X. He was never going. He was never going to use a cell phone. Yeah. You know that's that's slightly different. I mean, in fairness, in, in Batman, they probably could have used a cell phone, but no, not in not in not in the X Files. Um, right. So we talked about. Yes, because Stan... ba- Batman's all off the gadgets, man. So I find it hard to believe he wouldn't have a fucking mobile phone clipped onto his belt. <laughs> 
He had a very small part to play in this, but he has been an awful lot of films by Kevin Smith. Uh, Ethan Suplee, or however you pronounce his name. What do you think? Suplee. Suplee. Or, or Suplee. Like, I don't Suplee know. Suplee with an H. He's got a very small role in this, but let's talk about him overall, because let's face it, any Kevin Smith film we go to talk about, he's really not going to have that much to say about him, so let's give him a bit of time to talk about him now. What do you think about him? As, I like him as an actor. It, you know, he's... Uh, he, in this, he's, he's, he's quite funny, because he's basically there just to serve, again, as the comic relief. When he shouts at the kids... Yeah. Technically, it's a spooner, it's not a yacht. Or something along <laughs> those lines. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, it's a schooner. No, it's not. It's a boat. A schooner, that's it. Not a spooner, sorry. And then what, what I found amazing, and it, you know, I didn't realise this for a long time because I hadn't seen it in such a long time, was seeing um, Clerks 2 and something else with Ethan in a comedic role, was then seeing him as a fat, right, ignorant, neo-Nazi, racist fuckhead in American History X. And it's like, God, what a departure in terms of characters. Absolutely, and, you know, you don't, again, you believe him in both roles. As much as I hated him as a character in American History X, I'll give him all the credit in the world. You know, he played it well. He pulled it off, man. He I pulled hated it off. him, but he played it well. Yeah, I mean, you're not meant to like him in American History X. No, you're not, to be fair. At all. You're not meant to like any of the characters, really, apart from maybe Edward Norton, who kind of redeems himself, but is still a bit of an unlikable bastard. Yeah, he... I don't want to get too much onto that because I really think we could do an entirely different episode, an entire episode on its own, to be honest. Um, because it's just an interesting, it's such an interesting film. In fact, let's put that on the slate. In fact, I think I have got that on the slate. I think I think we have. Um, we we will need to talk about that. Um, okay, moving on. Ben Affleck. He had a medium to big role in this. Uh, obviously, ben, Aff ben Affleck seems to be, and I'm sure we've said this before, he seems to be an actor who divides people. They either think he's very good or they think he's very terrible. Um, I've said in the past, I think he's very good. I loved him in Dogma. I think both you and I agreed that we liked him in um, Boiler Room. At least I think it was you that I was talking about, to boil, about Boiler Room. Really. I like I like Boiler Room. I haven't seen it in years, so I'll have to go back and watch that. Mm. Um, but I like Boiler Room. It's a very interesting movie. I like I do like Ben Affleck as an actor. I think he's a, he's a very capable actor and a, an amazing director. Mm. Let's give him credit for that as well. Because if you've seen The Town, The Town is an absolute that was a really wonderful film. film. That really was. Um, but then again, he's. He's able to go back to acting, and you know you don't kind of you 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 can separate the two in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, and finally, and we'll get off characters in a minute because we've gone on much longer than I thought we would have by now. To be perfectly honest with you, Brody, Jason Lee, possibly one of the shiniest stars, the best things in this film. Frankly, he just he's just the best, isn't he? 
Let's be honest. He is. He's awesome. He, he gets the best lines. He has some of the, you know, he has the funniest lines in the whole film. And he's just such a lovable guy. But would you want him in your social circle? Probably not, to be honest. He's a bit of a dick, really, isn't he? I mean, I kind of wonder, because I wonder which which one of us, either me or him, would be the most inappropriate person to have at a dinner party. Um, I would say Brody, personally. <laughs> no, I meant Jason Lee. Oh, I, I'd, just love in general. Jason, I, I'd love to have Jason Lee at a, um, uh, at a dinner party, I've got to say. Oh, I, I, it'd, be, it'd be awesome. I just wonder which one of us would be the most inappropriate person at the table. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm. See, I'm just looking up quotes here just to see some of the things because he just says so much. It was almost impossible to keep up with what he was saying. Um, I mean, that, that's that's a good th- that's that's the thing about Jason Lee in general. I think is that he is a naturally fast talker. And this was his actual, his, his movie debut, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah, um, he'd been a pro skater before that. Right. Um, I'm just looking for it now. Let me see. Uh, yeah, according to Kevin Smith, another actor auditioned for and received the lead role of Brody. On the first day of shooting the scenes, the unnamed actor broke down and was unable to give the same performance that I did in the role. He was then replaced by Jason Lee. I, I think he made a good decision in Jason Lee. I really think he did. I mean, you look at what the guy's done since. And, you know, leaving aside, you said you'd not seen um, My Name is Earl. He's done, he's done quite a lot since... Um, I recently watched a show that he was in called Memphis Beat. Right. Uh, where he plays a cop. And that, it was an incredibly fun little show. lasted for two seasons. Play played a cop called Dwight Hendricks, who at night time was, was a singer in a, in a club. Uh, he, was, he, he was a kind of rock country and western singer. Right. Uh, it was it was a really fun little show because it what it wasn't it wasn't a comedy and it wasn't a drama. It was between the two, and it really worked for me. Oh, it was in um, it was in almost famous, and to be fair, I mean, admittedly, Cameron Crowe has made some shit in this time, but if you can get into film by Cameron Crowe, then fair play. You're pretty much made, aren't you? you, you you've got to have something going on for you. Um, I mean, I mean Bill, Billy Crudup is still working, thanks to that movie. The problem was Elizabethtown. Um, yeah. You know, Say Anything was good, Jerry Maguire was good, um, Almost Famous, as I say, was very good, but Elizabethtown was just so god-awful. Uh, if you want to find out why that film was god awful, look up Mark Kermode's review on it. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, as I say, if he's been in, if he's been under Cameron Crowe's wing, then fair play, I'll give him credit for that. Uh, what else has he been in? He's been, yeah, I mean, again, he's not stopped working. He um, hasn't. And you know, the guy, the guy's consistency. He does quality work, whatever he's in. Yeah. Um, and of course, he, and, and chasing and chasing Amy was very good in that as well. 
Um, you know, oh, he's brilliant in Chasing Amy. Um, and I'm a bit of a bastard compared to some of his other roles. But, I don't remember him being that bad. I mean, he basically splits them up. Does he? Oh, he does. Of course, yes. Um... Well, no, he doesn't really. I mean, not. I don't think intentionally, anyway. I think he. I, I mean, think he just misses he puts his friends. Doubt, he puts the doubt in his mind that you know this this girl's done so much more than you. How are you ever going to keep up? Which which is what leads to them breaking up. Yeah, but the thing is, though, I I I, I hear what you're saying, but to me, any couple, right? Who breaks up over outside out, sort of outside influences can't have been that much of a couple to begin with. Nah, true. I suppose. You know, I suppose. If, if if a relationship can't continue based on an outsider's perspective, then I think there was something wrong there to begin with. To yeah, well, I suppose you've got a point there, Mace. Um, so fair play to you. I'll, I'll accept that. But not that I have a habit of splitting up. Couples, just for the record. <laughs> I should hope not. <laughs> well, everybody's got to have a hobby. But we're getting on to Chase again, which is a completely different yes. movie to be covered <laughs> on a do different we, show. Sure. Do we have anything more to say about Brody other than the fact that he's a funny fuck? Um, no, not really. I think I think we've pretty much covered it as far as Brody. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the setting then. We, primarily, the mall as they call it. We don't really have malls in this country, do we? I mean, the closest equivalent I could think of that we have would probably be um, the Metro Centre up in Newcastle. And uh, what's the one in Manchester? Uh, Arndale? And, no, not, no, not the Arndale Centre. Um, the huge one off by the motorway. Uh, okay. What's it called? I've been there a load of times with my sister. I should know this. Uh, let me try and find this. Because otherwise it's going to bug me. I mean, we, we kind of do, because we have places like, you know, in Liverpool we've got St. John's Market, but I think I think the problem is... Yeah, in a way. I think the problem is we don't really have the space over here that we have in America. No. Um, Which kind of, it helps them that they have so much space. Um, to be able to build these massive malls. I mean, I remember being in Ohio when I was getting married. Uh, I left my hotel and thought, I'll take a walk over to uh, over to Walmart. It's only over the road. Yeah. Because the place was that massive. It, it literally looked like it was just there. It was a mile across the car park. <laughs> literally that, a mile. That was it. Sorry, the, uh, the Trafford Centre. The traffic center is a massive one in Manchester. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. So you, you tried to go to Mall of America. It was very difficult to get to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bear in mind, this, I mean, it was in the middle of a snowstorm as well. Right. So I was walking across the car park, kind of late at night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. Mm. Uh, people just look at me go, like going, what the fuck are you doing, man? Why are you walking? Yeah. Why? It's, it's, you know, it's, there's an inch of snow an hour coming down at the time. I'm just walking across the car park. I'm, like, I'm English. This is what we do. 
So, why do you think malls are so prevalent in American films? I mean, the the two other examples that I can think of where they are very prevalent um, was uh, Clueless and Mean Girls. I mean, it's kind of it's their um, it's their meeting place, isn't it? I mean, to me. The, the few times that I've been to the Trafford Centre um, with my sister and her husband, and the one time that I went to um, the one in Newcastle... Uh, Metro. Thank you. I think I was there for an hour with some school friends, and we all said, should we just go into the city? Because this is just crap. It's 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 overcrowded. It's loud. It's full of people. And I'm not a fan of the. And I'm not a fan of people at the best of times. Frankly, it's I hate people. That, frankly, it's amazing that I put up with you as long as I do. You know, I can't understand the appeal of malls. So why kids of America choose to go and hang about in these places for so many hours a day? And I get the feeling this is based on a certain amount of reality. It, it goes. It goes over my head. I don't understand it. I don't understand the appeal. But then again, you know, not to sound sexist or anything on those lines, because clearly guys enjoy going to these places as well. Maybe is I don't know. What what do you think? I mean, I think I think the guys are there mainly for the girls. Probably, probably. Um, I think one probably attracts the other, rather than you know guys particularly wanting to go to the mall. Mm. No, low hanging fruit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I don't, I'm not even sure what that means, and it sounds wrong. Um, yeah, it's I mean, just a kind of easy target, if you will. Um, they know the girls are going to be there, so it makes sense for them to go. It just seems like such a waste of a day. You know, I mean, I don't have an awful lot of money at the best of time anyway, so, you know, and... I'd rather, I, I'd rather shop on Amazon than go into Liverpool 1. I mean, I, as someone who's been to an American mall, there is a lot of choice what, in what, fairness. Okay, what, take me for a mall. What's a mall actually like to go into? Bear in mind, I've only seen and read about these things. I've never actually been to one. What was your experience of a mall? It's basically what you see in the movies. It literally is just this, a shitload of shops, teenagers walking around here and there. Um, the occasional moody emo teenager, and that's pretty much it. And do they literally have everything you could you could possibly want? I mean, in in the Trafford Centre, uh, I believe you can go bowling. I believe there's a Sea Life Centre. Uh, there's loads of restaurants. I mean, I've I've done Lazy Quest at the Trafford Centre. Have you ever been into the into the food court, as it were? No. Good I was I was there literally for the laser quest and that was it. Honestly, it's insane. Um, I went there with my sister one night for something to eat, and we got there about six o'clock. Um, and I deliberately said, um, you know, to to because people who don't know me, I'm I'm quite claustrophobic at the best of times, you know. So Mike, you can imagine me going into the middle of a food court in the middle of a in the middle of a freaking mall. With so many people, you can imagine what I would probably like. Um, so I said, okay, can we go about six, you know, to try and beat the crowds? And yeah. as I found out to my detriment, you cannot beat the crowds. It was just like a sea of humanity all gathering around a trough. It was really quite scary. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. 
more I went to was big enough that it, it kind of avoided that problem because there was so much space. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean you... going, this is going back to when, I, to when I was much bigger, so a lot of my clothes actually came from American malls. I seem to remember you telling me a story years ago that you were only half packing your suitcase so you could bring a load of jeans back. Yeah, pretty much because you go into you go into Walmart, a pair, pair of Levi jeans at twelve dollars. <laughs> you know why the fuck wouldn't you? How much are they in this country? Uh, fifty quid. Seriously, is it that much of a difference? Yeah, because because you've got import tax. I mean, not that I'm especially bothered about buying Levi jeans that never held much of an appeal for me, but, hey, fair play. If it's that less, then I don't blame you for doing it. Yeah, I, and it's not just not just Walmart. You can walk into pretty much any shop, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple off the top of my head. Um, Macy's, not Macy's, because uh, that's in New York and I've never been. But all the, you kind of see all these American shops on TV are... In movies or on TV, and they are ridiculously cheap, you know, offensively cheap almost. <laughs> so, I mean, I I can almost understand the appeal of going to these places, but I don't I don't think I'd especially like it. I mean, I'm sure that you and I have been around Liverpool 1 together in the past. And the one good thing about Liverpool 1 is it it's not enclosed. It's a very open area, so it's, yeah. it's not so bad. And let's face it, by comparison to... Um, you could probably take what's in Liverpool 1 and put it into a very small corner of the Trafford Centre and you'd still have room for other shops. There's not an awful lot in Liverpool 1, to be fair, really, is there? There's not, but... yeah. It... It fills a purpose, I suppose. Well, it does, and to be fair, it... Are you there? Yeah, sorry, I moved my microphone, that was a bad mistake. There we go, can you still hear me? Yeah. You see, that's why you shouldn't touch electricals whilst you're recording. If it's working, leave it alone. Oh. Ah! Can you hear that? Yeah. Hang on a sec. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds fine. Ah! Hang on a second. Oh no, it still seems to be it still seems to be recording. Uh, I'm hoping we haven't lost too much of that. No, I don't think we have. Anyway, um, right. So yes, malls are basically places for people to go and hang around in and buy clothes and eat food and good Pretty much. I mean. The only reason I liked them all was because uh, the one in Ohio that I went to had uh, Spencer's. What, sorry? Which, which was, uh, it, it's kind of like a t-shirt shop. Um, and they, they sold one of my favourite ever t-shirts, which was uh, thing, Chuck Norris Facts. <laughs> and that, that's literally all it was, was just a list of facts about Chuck Norris on a t-shirt. And speaking of t-shirt, that actually brings me on to um, my final topic of the, of the film, which is the style. And I don't mean the style of filmmaking, I don't mean the style of directing the shots, I mean the actual style. The style. It was so 90s it hurt. Yeah, I mean... Why did uh... we stop wearing plaid shirts, Mike? 
Why? Because I, mean, I know that we're not Pearl Jam, and I know we're not in um, that place where Pearl Jam were. Seattle. Um, Seattle. That was it. But what happened to flannel shirts, Mike? I feel we should start wearing flannel shirts again if we can get hold of them. I've actually got a flannel shirt. Awesome. Uh, don't wear it much, but I've got it just in case. It's okay. there. In ca- in case it ever makes a comeback. It, it, well, I mean, not not just the final shirt by um by the uh, Jeremy London character, and I I love the way that he dressed. It was very Bill and Ted look, but also the way that the other characters um dressed, especially um the Ben Affleck um character with his suit. Oh, he's so such sharp. a sleaze! Such a but he was a brilliant sleaze, though, wasn't he? Oh, he, he, I mean, Ben Affleck is a very believable sleaze bag, in fairness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to give him that much. Um, he is the kind of guy that will steal your girlfriend and videotape himself fucking her in this movie. Um, oh, God, that scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, should we talk about Oh that? No, Actually, hang on. She, t- she videotaped him. Sorry, I'm wrong there. Should we talk about that character actually? Because we haven't really, we haven't actually brought her up, and I can't even find her in. I think we have to um, talk about it, and I'll find her now. Um, I can't even remember what her character name was. Let me just have a look. Oh, Scott Mosey was in this. I forgot about that. Uh. Oh, and the kid on the escalator. How can we forget the kid on the escalator? <laughs> Why is that kid still playing on the escalator? Um. Okay, so yeah, we've, got Brandy, we've got Brandy, we've got Gwen, who we already know was in Chasing Amy, and there's one... Was it Ivana? It might have been Ivana. Oh, oh no, that's it? Priscilla. No, she—that's the, the three. That's the gypsy with three nipples. That's right. Yeah, I think it might have been Trisha or Trisha or whatever her name was. Uh. Yeah, Trish the Dish. That was it. Trish the Dish. Yeah. Who videotapes herself fucking guys for a college project? I believe it is. Yes, when she's underage. Um, yeah. And this it's quite a disturbing aspect of the film for me. It is. is. I why is that even in there? That's that's a fair point. Why why is that in there? That's really I'd really like to know what the what the thinking behind that was to be honest. Yeah, because it is very creepy. well it's not I was about to say it's borderline creepy, it's fucking disgusting. It is creepy because you know I mean don't get me wrong, obviously the age of consent in America is 18. Yeah. So we're talking, she's probably 17 in real life, in, in the movie terms. I don't think she was, you know. But still, even for me, that's still... I'm sure she was still in high school, so she would have been about the about the 15, 16 mark. No, you're, you're in high school until you're 18 in America. Oh, are you? Oh, fair dues. Yeah. Fair dues. So... Well, thank God for that, then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I do find the whole thing, and you know, the cops were a bit too friendly towards Ben Affleck for saying, you know, well done, you know, you effectively conceptually raped an underage girl. You know, it's just like, 
uh, be uh, statutory rape over statutory here, wouldn't rape, it? Wouldn't it? Yes. Um, would it be sa- would it be statutory rape? Yeah, it would because even if she consented. Yeah, it would. St- you know, yes, it, it would still still class as rape if she's underage. Yes. So it'd be it would be class as statutory rape rather than rape. But again, that's a storyline that's almost like well. Um. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it without being goddamn offensive. Um, you, you almost... When the cops take him away, you're cheering him on, obviously, because he's such a douche. And yeah. And you're on the side of Brody. Yeah. But with, with the undertone of that, it's just... I I, th- I think we can we can leave it there because we both agree that that storyline is just yeah. it, it's creepy as fuck. There's something very wrong there. Um. So I mean, ha- have you yeah. got anything else to say about the film? I think the only thing that I did want to say, and I'm not going to repeat it word for word because God knows that's boring, was I just loved the ending of it when they are in the uh, game show and the interplay. Between both um, Brody, Quint, um, and uh, how have I not learnt her name by now? God, this is bad. Let me go back. Uh, Renee, uh, sorry, Brandy, rather. I just love the interplay between the three of them, and especially Brody's overreactions to what's being said and what he's got to say, and also Gil. Um, you know the. Um, Gil, the Gil character was also quite funny in the end of it as well. Gil, uh, Gil, Gil, Gil. Oh, Brian Holt, yeah. Yeah, um, his, his brother from another mother in <laughs> Clerks. Um, yeah. Yeah, what was his name? Uh, he doesn't actually say in the credits for some reason. What was his name? Whose name? Uh, Brian, Brian O'Halloran. Brian O'Halloran. In, in, in what film? Um, oh god I'm going to look this up now what was his surname in fact what was his name in general uh, uh, let me Dante Hicks that was it Dante Hicks why of did course. I not get that Jesus Christ um, he was in Pokemon um, no I don't really I don't think I've really got an awful lot more to say about this film actually except that as I said at the start I don't think this is cla- I don't think this is a classic. I don't think this is even one of the best films that Kevin Smith's ever made. Always made. Oh, it's worse. not. But it's not bad for what it is, and I'm glad that I did rewatch it again. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in there, and um, we we've, we've made it sound like a very simple movie, I suppose. But there is a lot in there to to kind of take in, mm. um, especially if it is your first time watching it. Yes. Um. I think it's your first time watching it. It's 22 years old. What the fuck have you been doing in the meantime? <laughs> um, but, you know, as I, say, as I say, it is quite a simple premise. It's just literally kids hanging out in the mall and occasionally coming across a, a, th- a gypsy with three nipples. That was interesting, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, it's, as I say, it's a simple film. It's not trying to be above its station. It was never got... I mean, let's face it, out of the the Escape Universe movies, the high point really is Clerks and Dogma. Yeah. They are the high watermark 
for for this series of movies. Um, I think Dogma was probably his, his most in, his most intelligent movie to date. Um, God, yes. I mean, I know it doesn't fall in line with it, but uh, I would put Red State up there as well, but that's obviously not part of the viewer's universe, but yes. And, and just some of the universe itself, as I say, mm. um, I don't, you haven't seen any of his True North films, have you? No, and I do intend to watch them at some stage. I would recommend that you start off with, with uh, Tusk. It's a difficult movie to watch, and it is quite horrible in places. It's a proper horror movie. I still have it downloaded somewhere, so I will give it a go. And um, after that, it's it's onto Yoga Hoses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I mentioned before. Which is it's it's a much it's just basically a, it's a horror comedy, but it's got um oh what's his name Haley Joel Osment. Oh God, is in both of them. He's in both this and Tusk, as well as um oh what's his name Justin 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 Long, Justin Long yeah. Um, and I only know from a series called Ed. Michael Parks is also in it, who you might know as a frequent collaborator of uh, of Quentin Tarantino. Ah, okay. He's uh, sheriff, the sheriff. Right. I will give that a look. And he is terrifying, absolutely terrifying in, in Tusk. I will. Oh, I will definitely. Oh man, I've just seen he's died. Michael Parks is dead. I know that name. I want to look him up now. Um, guys, Bill, Sheriff Bill McGraw in Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. We're probably not going to talk any more about um, more rats now, so if you want to, if you only came here for more rats, you're quite safe to turn off. Um, <laughs> we're probably just going to talk about random shit. Not that we've um, done that for the last hour and a half. I'm anyway. actually going to have to get off soon, dude. What? How dare you? Yes, unfortunately, I'm afraid so. Do you have other plans? I, I, well, I kind of do, yeah. Fuck you. I'm afraid. <laughs> okay, well, then, just to say, we will finish off there, then. Okay, so, obviously, the next film we're going to cover, as far as the viewers' universe is concerned, will be Chasing Amy. Um, That will not be the next film we will view. We're trying to do this, like, do one normal film, then one Kevin Smith film, and vice versa. So, we won't be doing Chasing Amy for a little while. Probably going to be at least another month, month and a half. Um, we'll be doing something completely different. We haven't decided what that is yet. Um, so, yes, all I will say is thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, please consider either following us on SoundCloud or subscribing on iTunes. We are now available there. If you prefer to hear mine and Derek opinions on more modern films, please listen in to the Iconocratic um, website um, podcast. It is something that me and Derek do on at least a monthly basis. So all that's left to say is thank you once again for joining me, Mike. Thank you for having me, Chris. You're always welcome. Well, a very good night to you all. Uh, it's a good night from me, and it's a good night from him. Yeah. You have been listening to Sunday Afternoon Cinema, which is a recorded podcast. The podcast was hosted by myself and Mike Larkin. The podcast was recorded, produced, and edited by myself, Christopher Windsor. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider subscribing on iTunes or following on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.